0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the headline inflation numbers and what that means specifically for mortgage rates. First, here's a word from our sponsor, This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO. In collaboration with their broker partners, they designed PowerPlus, a next-generation broker technology platform that offers a fast, intuitive interface with features and functionalities to empower a best-in-class lending experience. With an enhanced guided workflow, the loan process is more efficient, accurate, manageable, and convenient. The platform speeds up the process at every step, minimizing the time brokers spend on the platform. At PennyMac, being tech-forward and human-focused is why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Logan, welcome back to the podcast.
1: It is wonderful to be here, Sarah.
0: It is wonderful to have you here. So the big news this week, um, actually, I guess last week, because this will air on Monday, is the inflation data that came in. And you wrote a, a piece for us about the inflation data and what that meant for mortgage rates. So let's break it down. Let's talk about inflation.
1: Yes. And of course, the Federal Reserve's, you know, single mandate at this point is to uh try to stabilize prices because they believe that you know you could have these very long economic expansions uh when the growth rate of inflation is down and you know for this entire century you know from 2000 to 2019 uh the growth rate of inflation wasn't a problem uh so the federal reserve can keep rates low uh and support the housing market you know with with uh, mortgage-backed securities without dealing with, you know, the uh, onset of higher growth rates of inflation. But that obviously has changed uh, uh, after COVID. So a lot of things with inflation now on the core CPI side is uh, rent inflation, big talking point of mine for so long. And, you know, one of the things I try to talk about in that article is, you know, I saw this in the summer of 2020. When the growth rate of inflation was actually still falling, I said, no, it's already reversed and things can get really uh, uh, out of hand here. In fact, you know, talking to The Washington Post early in 2021, saying that core inflation could get past two percent and stay much higher than two percent because of rent inflation. Because so much of housing uh, uh, in terms of the equivalence of rent and CPI is rent inflation. So that is happening But I'm kind of now at the opposite point of where I was in the summer of 2020, where uh, the growth rate of inflation coming from rent is going to cool down, but it'll be more of a 2023 storyline, and uh, especially the second half of the year. And this doesn't mean uh, rental inflation is going to go negative nationally. It's actually really rare for CPI uh, shelter inflation to go negative, but the growth rate should cool down. And that'll help this CPI data in in 2023 more than it will the uh, PCE data.
0: So what part of, um, you know, in your model for, you know, what we should look at um, for the economy and for the recession, what part does CPI data even play in that?
1: So uh, the the growth rate of inflation right now is the biggest story, because uh, if uh, people want the Federal Reserve to pivot or change or cut rates, Uh, they need inflation to go down. Now, uh, PCE, you know, the uh, the consumer price index is really what the Fed looks at. But with CPI being so hot, you know, you you can't, the Fed's going to keep on talking aggressively. So, we can actually look at the growth rate of core inflation uh, falling uh, or or slowing down in, in toward the second half of 2023. So, that will help the economy because, Once the Federal Reserve is feeling that inflation could come down, they could be a little bit more supportive of the economy. But when we when we talk about inflation and the economic cycle, one thing that we we have to be mindful of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve believes that higher unemployment rates is better for them to get their inflation down. Uh, In fact, uh, uh, you know, recently they came out with an article from the San Francisco Fed that they're really worried about input costs. Uh, rising wages will fall into prices of consumer goods, and that'll stick there forever. Here we see that uh, with energy inflation, that's a very uh, a big input cost. but you know, typically the stronger dollar takes care of that, but the whole Russian situation has changed that very well. So we kind of have to move that aside. And now simply OPEC is now becoming a kind of a, a, a open warfare too as well. So, You have to put that away and look at the things the Federal Reserve can control or believe they can control. A higher unemployment rate means to them they can actually feel more confident that the wages that they give people won't go to prices and it'll be more stable in the long run on inflation. So we have to now presume going out for the rest of the century that the Federal Reserve's mandate is that wage inflation can never take off right? I think uh, that that is now set in stone, that the Federal Reserve will not tolerate wage growth accelerating. Uh, uh, and that has to be something that we go out in the future, that whenever wages start to rise, the Federal Reserve, and this has always been there, kind of, uh, some people do not like the Federal Reserve, because once wages start to come up, they, they do whatever they can to smash it, and they're doing it again. And, and they've outlined a very... Uh, 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 sturdy case that they just don't like to see wages take off because they'll go to prices and, and that'll impact the economy. So the unemployment rate rising in a sense is, you know, people losing their jobs will get the Federal Reserve to stop hiking. And then if the growth rate of inflation falls, the bond market stops going up, mortgage rates stop going up, then you can see mortgage rates uh, uh, start to fall and the Federal Reserve can be a little bit more accommodative, uh, accommodative to the economy. So uh, rent inflation, there's not really much they can do. Uh, it's not going to be the growth rate's not going to cool down until 2023. Uh, um, the the fight for the Federal Reserve is to try to get as many people as unemployed to get the uh, unemployment rate up. And then hopefully that wages coming down will will make prices come down. Uh, so they're in that category. And for, for housing economics, you have to look at it in that light in the sense that Um, unemployment rates have to go up. Wage growth has to slow. Rent inflation has to slow for things to get a little bit better on the mortgage side. And in general, what we've always, uh, tended to believe in after 1982 is that when the economy gets weaker, bond markets start to fall down, uh, and, uh, mortgage rates start to fall down together. Here, we almost have like a 1975 uh, repeat where you can actually see the economy getting weaker, but, the bond market and the Fed uh, funds rate is still rising because they believe that fighting inflation is, is more important than people working. Now, in general, most people are always working. So it's that marginal unemployment rate. So they're willing to sacrifice the marginal unemployment rate to bring down inflation. I think that's the that's the key uh, uh, takeaway from the Federal Reserve. That higher unemployment rate makes their job easier. So they're willing to sacrifice those people to get the growth rate of inflation down. So wages come down. So it doesn't go, prices don't go to consumer goods and they'll be set in stone. And this is something that now we have to look out for the rest of the century under this uh, Federal Reserve mindset that wage growth will never be tolerated in the United States of America. The Federal Reserve will do whatever it can to prevent. Wages coming up from the bottom end, and uh, uh, because price wage inflation will move into consumer good prices.
0: Interesting. I, I that seems you know to a non economist like me that seems <laughs> that seems counterproductive. But you know what what do I? Well, think?
1: I mean it's 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 always been a, a criticism of the Federal Reserve that they have prevented wage growth from. Coming up because they'll just hike rates and here in this context i mean of course we have to realize everything was kind of moving right with the growth rate of inflation up until COVID, and then we have a lot of dynamics that COVID started that would not have been the case if we never had if we never had the global pandemic uh we would not have had these really wild swings in economic data we wouldn't have had the injection uh, of trillions of dollars into the economy. So the, we're working this out into that. So eventually over time, and, and this is my belief, I, I just don't believe the U.S. is a fast-growing economy that wages could take off or something to that regard and keep on growing, right? Uh, of course, we've seen growth noticeably slow down this year, but that's what the Federal Reserve wants. They say they, they need to be... Uh, the f- Fed rate hikes have to be high enough to have growth really slow down. That's that's one of their goals. So we're dealing with trying to find some kind of equilibrium and we we know now what the Federal Reserve believes in. They do not want to see wage growth take off because they believe that will be impacting uh, the prices and that makes their job harder. So that unemployment rate that they talk about the pain that they need to create for American households, the suffering that children who are going to lose, uh, whose parents are going to lose their jobs, it's okay because it makes their job on inflation easier. So it's the it's the marginal difference there compared to the total whole, and that's that's their belief, and they're really sticking with that.
0: So you know, break it down for me. Like, uh, say I'm at a mortgage lender, or I'm you know at all at all of the uh, you know I'm a real estate agent, whatever. Like, I'm looking at you know. We're in the sevens now with mortgage rates. This inflation information, the data that came in, what, you know, how much higher, sorry, let me start this whole thing over again. One, One second. Okay. So break it down for me. I'm working at a mortgage lender or I'm a real estate agent. Does this inflation data mean that I'm going to see higher rates now? And and two parts of that, is the Fed going to raise the federal funds rate? And has that already been baked into the mortgage rates, do you think? Because we're over seven right now. So how much higher can we go?
1: With where the Fed funds rate is heading and now that people believe the Federal Reserve that uh, they're, they really mean it, right? Uh, you know, before nobody really believed they would do this, and that's why I think that you know, when mortgage rates fell from six and a quarter to five percent, they were very adamant that no, we can't have housing; people buy homes. It's not, it's not good for us. Um, so, uh, with the Fed funds rate at four and a half, you know, you're you're looking uh i mean in a normal pricing environment it would be like six and a half percent you know but the mortgage-backed security market is 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 completely stressed out right now and no real appetite yet for that marketplace we're kind of heading toward the end of the fed rate hike cycle uh uh, so what what they want is really the fed funds rate to me four and a half percent and just sit there and see what happens if that's the case then the economy gets weaker uh, once the labor market turns on them, I think that's where they pivot. So you have to look at 2023 as uh, uh, if the economy does get weaker to the sense of the labor market, everything should change in that in that point. I think a lot of their talking is just to get to that level uh, um, and then things change. right? Uh, bond market change, mortgage rates are change. Things should get things should go lower. But that also means that the U.S. economy is getting uh, weaker on the labor market front, which is what they want. So, if you want, to, if you're a mortgage person, you have to look at the Federal Reserve. Basically, says we need to get people fired, and our unemployment rate getting to 4.4 percent is a recession. And then, when that happens, we believe the growth rate of inflation will fall, and then we could be, you know, a little bit more accommodative to the economy. So, uh, uh, that's what I'm seeing from what the Federal Reserve is talking about, uh, and, and the things they can control. Uh, uh, is demand getting weaker, right? The interest cost of your debt that you're borrowing on credit cards, something gets so high that it eats your disposable income and you consume less. And then people will lose their jobs. You kind of look at it in that point. So they believe that they need to r- raise rates to a certain level so that can happen. And then when people lose their jobs and the gr- and wages come down, they believe the growth rate of inflation will come down with it. And then they could change their kind of uh, uh, tune. You can't do anything about the energy situation right now, especially now Russia and OPEC together. Uh, um, But rent inflation, of course, not much can be done there. But in time, that should come down. So it's really an unemployment story right now. Uh, The Fed has to create higher unemployment for growth rates to come down. And then rates should come down with that. That's why when I talk about it, the Fed, most likely isn't going to pivot until they see the labor market turn uh, negative. So for me, four-week moving average is three hundred twenty-three thousand uh, on the jobless claims data, and once that you break above that, the job loss recession is here. And the Federal Reserve did get what they wanted to do: Americans losing jobs, so it makes their job easier uh, to fight inflation.
0: Okay, so but if I'm looking at mortgage rates, what do you think, like? Do you think we go to eight? Do you think it's going to break before that? Like, what is your prediction?
1: I, I, you know what? To to get to to get to eight, you really need the labor market to 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 stay firm. Um, uh, and the Federal Reserve is doing; they're doing their best to try to get people to lose jobs. So, mortgage rate is priced so in a stressed market right now that mor- mortgage rates can, in a sense, drop one uh, percent. if if the mortgage-backed security market gets better and you get a little bit better movement in the bond market. So it can be very wild to get 8% mortgage rates or 9% mortgage rates. Global markets have to be stressed. Bond selling from other countries have to happen. uh, And the economy stays more firm than the Federal Reserve wants. If you're going to that level, I, I, I kind of held my ground at six and a quarter, six and a half, And that didn't happen. Of course, now we're we're at seven to seven and a quarter Uh, bond markets sold off. Global markets are stretched. There's a lot of bond selling happening out there that that has to do with the the stronger dollar uh, happening. So it's not so easy in that sense that things can turn on a dime if the labor market gets weaker. And just remember that disproportionately housing is Always benefits just because the majority of people are always working. A lot of people say, "Well, unemployment rates are uh, a million or two million people are going to lose their jobs, housing is going to crash." Mindset, think you got over one hundred uh, over one hundred fifty five million people working. Okay, so the majority of the people working benefit on that. So you have to realize that that's that's not a that's not a very good argument. Uh, um, the cost of debt has already increased a, a, a lot. So. When the Federal Reserve, when they pivot and turn, it has to really come with the labor market weakening because it's going to be very hard for them. So next year, if the Federal Reserve gets what they want, higher unemployment rates, rates shouldn't be going up higher anymore uh, because the growth rate of inflation should be falling. Now, we see this in the data. We see a lot of inflationary data already cooling off noticeably. Uh, rent inflation early on is cooling off. The freight cost is cooling off. The energy situation is just the wild card, especially now with OPEC joining Russia in in, the, in a war against America. So uh, that one you just you just don't know how that's going to turn. But the, the setup isn't good for that. But rent inflation growth rate should slow. Some of the costs are already coming down with you know transportation costs. So we're we're seeing the early stages of the growth rate of inflation falling. So to get higher than that. A lot of things have to change right now. If you're in the mortgage industry, you, you, the U.S. economy starts to really take off. Uh, and the stronger U.S. economy is not good for mortgage rates because it keeps inflation higher. The world economy starts to do better. Not, not the case uh, now. I don't think it's going to be in the future as well. So uh, I'm kind of on the, on the opposite of that camp. The counter to that again is that uh, even with a weaker economy, even with people losing jobs, inflation stays too high for the Fed, so the Fed has to keep on hiking. They kind of have hinted that they're not really wanting to do that. They just want to get to a certain level and just let it ride and see how it goes. We're almost there actually. We're almost uh, toward the end of the Fed rate hike cycle. And I don't think the, I think the Fed understands what they can or can't do with rent inflation being such a big component of CPI.
0: So let's talk um a couple I was it just last week I don't even remember, but a couple of podcasts ago we talked about Janet Yellen and her comments and it depends like so she made some comments um, two days ago and it depends on which headline you want to you know either she's like there's no problem or she's worried about adequate liquidity for treasury so what is your take on the way that she's looking at this
1: this 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 again goes to one of my critiques of the Fed that uh, they get so much of their information from third party people that they' they don't have their own intuition uh, with marketplaces So I think it was October 11th like uh, Janet Allen says I don't see anything I don't see any concern in financial markets 24 hours later oh I see a really big concern uh, and I, and I think this is in general just a just a general human reality. If you don't have your own uh, intuition or your own feel of what markets are doing and you're relying on third party people to tell you, you shouldn't be in any kind of position of power because you, you yourself are not actually uh, thinking straight. You're thinking what other people tell you. So you have to have your own kind of uh, uh, recognition of what the marketplace is doing. And we've talked about this for, for many months now. The world cannot handle a strong dollar. It's never been able to handle a strong dollar. So when a dollar gets very excessive, uh, we all know this. We, we, everybody who plays in the market knows and understands this. But for some reason, the Federal Reserve either doesn't know this or they just simply don't care. They even talked about this, that it's not their problem if the world has trouble. We have our own mandate. So, again, if that's the mindset, then you basically should just say, we don't care what happens in the global markets. All we care about is ourselves. Then at least people know what you're saying. But when you go off one day saying, "Oh, nah, there's nothing wrong," oh, oh yes, the next day something's really wrong. We have to do something. It shows, uh, you know, just a, a lack of economic game or a lack of economic in, uh, intuition on what the what what's happening with the marketplace. And of course, we just see it: Bank of Japan, Bank of England, China, Russia, Europe. There's a lot of stress out there. The last thing everyone needs is a stronger dollar, and that's just that's just the position we're in. Uh, uh, again, because the U.S. economy is the only economic superpower left, and our, our household balance sheets, our consumptions are still holding. Retail sales came in a little bit light. Revisions were positive, but still, people are spending. So, it it it, it is somewhat a disadvantage that other countries do not have like. Our economic power, so they're you know in a time like when the Feds hiking, the dollar does get stronger. So I, I, I believe, just from the things that I'm hearing, is that they understand that the markets are stressed globally and it's impacting us. You see uh, uh, countries or institutions selling off U.S. Treasuries, that liquidity in the bond market. You know you see these wild moves, um, especially on that CPI day report the 10 year yield spiked up and then came back the market sold off you know this is not again a functioning marketplace a fluid normal function things are way too wild and that's that's a concern i think they're finally realizing that you know s- somehow they have to stabilize things uh, uh and then if something breaks right uh then cleaning up the mess is, is is more problematic for them because then that takes away from their goal of uh, uh you know hiking rates high enough to where people lose jobs
0: Boy, that the job data is so important. When's our next uh, uh, big job update?
1: Well, every Thursday, jobless claims comes out. Uh, jobless claims uh, last week uh, rose to 228,000. So again, for me, four-week moving average because you're going to see some big headlines here or there. And then, of course, the hurricane effect comes one time and then ends. Um, 323,000 on the four-week moving average. Once we crack that, uh, then what typically happens is that the unemployment rate starts to uh, rise noticeably or where the Fed wants it because people are losing jobs. We haven't even come close to really uh, testing that. Uh, uh, so the labor market, again, different dynamics with the labor market now than, than in the past. Uh, so the labor market is still staying firm. And then you have the job openings data. Job openings data went from near 12 million uh, now to uh, about 10 million. Job openings falling is is, is, is a benefit for the Federal Reserve. Uh, we actually see some of the wage growth data start to turn right now uh, as well, slowing down the growth rate. Uh, so those two, uh, the jobless claims are weekly, uh, job openings report comes around near the jobs data, and then there's jobs Friday at the end of the uh, uh, report. But really at this stage of the cycle, jobless claims faster, you get it weekly. That's, that's a good data line. Job openings lags about two months it's a monthly data line, and then the jobs report itself. But you really want to keep an eye on jobless claims at this point. As my six recession red flags are up, there's really nothing else: claims, job openings, jobs, and then credit stress. You know, financial conditioning is getting tighter. We're seeing that now. Uh, that's a detriment to the U.S. economy, and uh, again, something the Federal Reserve wants. So you you keep an eye on on that as well to see if, if conditions get tighter, the economy gets weaker. And again, this is all a coordinated effort to create a recession. So to fight inflation, people have to lose their jobs because in their minds, generally, most people are working. So you have to have sacrificial lambs uh, to cool down wage growth. That's the Federal Reserve of 2022.
0: So we had... um... We had a story this week. Uh, it was not written by you. It's written by um, one of our reporters, Flavia Furlan Nunez, great reporter, and um, she was writing up sort of the mortgage rates and what that means. And you know, the headline was a refi wave is years away as mortgage rates settle at seven percent. And definitely, we can see that. Like um, she's she's quoting people there, so it's not like uh, that's her opinion. But I guess I would ask you because when we saw, so so we are at seven percent, but even when we had just that one percent drop, was it August where we got to five percent which you you sort of talked about earlier like do you think a refi wave could be years away or do you think that you know there's possibility in the spring for you know if if they come off a little bit i mean if we can if we got down to five and a half from seven that would be great
1: here's here's the thing i i i understand the mindset of that because what what's occurring is that the mortgage-backed security market or or just how that how that marketplace works it's not very appealing right now because you know uh, the the risk of having uh, people refinance quicker. So the money you pay to to, to uh, you know kind of distribute that process of getting a loan, you can lose money uh, uh, very quickly. Um, I, th- I think in general uh, we have lower supply of people buying homes at six and a half to seven percent to have a kind of a, 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 a big wave of refinancing, let's say, if mortgage rates go down to 5.5%. I think that and that's the context of that. Uh, in, in the past, let, here's a good example, in 2018, you know, from 2017 to 2019, mortgage rates went all the way up to 5%, it was a two-year period, and then rates fell uh, below 4%, and then a lot of people refinanced, and then rates really fell in 2020, so everyone did. 65% of the country roughly has rates between 4% and under. So the pool of people refinancing isn't as big as before. Uh, so um, you're going to have to see, I, I mean, if when rates fall, people are going to refinance. That 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 is an issue. I, I think they're talking about maybe the mega wave of refinancing like we've had. And in that case, you know, rates falling from 7% to 6%, you're only working with the people that got rates between six to seven percent if rates fell from seven percent to five and a half percent again you could you could bring that pool of uh refinance candidate up but uh there i think it's just a supply issue in terms of what you believe a big refinance boom is because when rates fall people are going to refinance especially how low the refinance index is right now uh, uh you could see a pick up noticeably so that 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 isn't a question i think the question is are you going to see these big waves that we saw like in 2012 2016 2020 and 2021 you probably need rates to head back down toward five percent at this case and and stay there for some time uh not have these quick moves and reversals uh and and when when rates do fall I think people will jump on that right away especially the people that got rates between six percent and seven a quarter uh definitely uh, their mindset is uh, as soon as rates fall i'm refinancing so uh, i think it's a The context has to be discussed with what do you what do you believe a big refinance wave is? Uh, Rates fall, people refinance. That's going to happen. It's just how much supply do you have between six to seven and a quarter percent to get that?
0: It's a great point. I do think that the key word there is wave. You're right because yes, people will refi, but that's not the same. And and compared to the refi wave we've just been through, it's hard to imagine that ever happening in the next, I don't know, couple of decades that we would have that kind of, you know, those conditions that would make that happen again.
1: Yeah. I mean, just in general, you know, um, rates have been falling for many years and I always say rates have been falling for 800 years. Uh, uh, so the, (laughs) the trend, the trend is the trend is lower. I mean, that's just, that's just the, that's just the case. Uh, what we had from 1970 to 1979 was you know an abnormal period for the u.s but if you look at the history of bond yields uh they're actually low outside of that period so uh demographics are deflationary you know uh, the u.s the u.s does have this one deviation that other countries don't we do have a younger workforce so our demand is better uh than other countries other countries necessarily they're aging they they don't really have that big younger workforce or so their consumption levels are, are a little bit different here with some of the inflation that especially that europe is dealing with is a war right it's just a war inflation the russia and opec are using commodities that's a war against europe That that's a whole different discussion altogether that should be in, in the economic sense but uh rates have been falling demographics are getting older older societies don't really consume like they do they in a sense build so much investment that that supply forces prices lower and inflation lower here we have deal we're still dealing with the post COVID 19 dynamics of shutting an economy down having an unbelievable fast recovery spending so much in durable goods that we don't usually do supply chains don't work right so inflation goes up uh uh, labor markets are tight wages have to go up energy goes up war so there's there's a there's a lot going on here that isn't normal and we're just trying to find that equilibrium uh, uh, and over time it does find itself some of those dynamics are already leaving we're seeing freight costs from china just collapse and uh, uh the growth rate of rent inflation will cool down especially in the second half of 2023 uh so right now it's wages and labor and uh and the fed has clearly made a point we do not want wage growth taking off and uh this is something that we have to Uh, it's probably going to be a mandated thing for them going out for the rest of this century. We will make sure that wages do not accelerate because uh, that's not good for the U.S. economy.
0: Okay. Well, Logan, as always, I love it. Tell us real quick, we've got like one minute left. What are you looking for this week?
1: Well, eventually the the labor market does turn negative. So the jobless claims every week is happening. Uh, Again, uh, housing starts, new home sales are going to be coming up soon. Uh, existing home sales existing home sales the downside is, still, is 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 real just because not only are housing your first time home buyers are hit move up move down buyers are also feeling the pinch so you drain a lot of uh demand off of that that we traditionally don't see and i've talked about this with purchase application data you know uh before rates even got to seven percent you know 35 to 45 percent year-over-year decline should be the norm after october higher comps higher comps are key but if demand is really getting weaker, we should see purchase application data have some negative prints of 53 to 57% year over year, adjusting to the October comps if the 7% plus mortgage rates is deteriorating demand more. Uh, and again, the new listings data uh, really shows that some people just, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to be a seller in this market because I need to be a buyer and it's just not working for me right now. That's why that data line is very critical uh, for me because you need a functioning housing market where you have sellers and buyers working together, and uh, we're dealing with that drama. Who who wins that battle for next year?
0: Absolutely, and that's um, you know, one of your other uh, stories this this week, which will be last week when people hear this, was you know the del- the standoff between buyers and sellers. We talked about that last time, but I mean, it's real. It is it is real out there, and. Um, you know, yeah, not- as,
1: long, as long as new listings grow each year like we do all the time, it, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, we saw the damage, what happened in 2020 when we had no traditional listing growth. Uh, it created the worst inventory situation that I, I'll ever see in my lifetime. And we haven't still been able to get back to 2019 levels. There's parts of the U.S. that are at 2019 levels, which I healthy, happy, great. I love it. I wish the whole U.S. was there. But as you can see, as a nation, we're still, not, uh, we're still not back there. And again, the 2019 inventory levels were four-decade lows before 2020.
0: Well, we will keep uh, talking to you. Keep us up to date on what's going on as these uh, different reports come out. And also, just as you know, these, these one-off events or, or really hard-to-predict events keep happening around the world. But thank you so much, Logan, for letting us know what you're thinking.
1: Pleasure. Always, Sarah.